This episode of the only podcast about movies was recorded a little differently. We had the distinct honor and pleasure of having a very special guest reviewer start us off this episode. Sadly, he only had two minutes between lunch and nap time. So we're going to let him start us off, and we'll be back right after that. Enjoy the show. I need to just put on my headphones. Okay. Everyone, be quiet. Why? Because it's getting ready to start. What are we getting ready to start? The podcast. The podcast. What's up, Internet? The name of the movie is Toy Story 4. Mm, did you like it? Yes. Okay, who is in the movie? Mm, Buzz Lightyear. Okay. And Woody. Uh, Forky. What did Forky say? The things that are on the house were w- w- rubbish. Oh, rubbish or trash? Trash. Yeah. Tr- tr- trash. Okay, what part did you like? I liked it. The Buzz Lightyear part. <laughs> what did Buzz Lightyear do? He flew and flew and flew and flew, and now they start flying. Really? Yeah. Okay. And then did he save Woody? No. He didn't. What happened to Woody in the movie? They walked to the car. Yeah. Because Fork went out of the car, and he was walking to a rubbish bin. Yeah. Because he was rubbish. Really? Because he was made out of rubbish. Oh. And what happened to Forky at the end of the movie? What? What happened to Forky at the end? Why? What what happened to Fork at the end? I don't know. What happened to Woody at the end? I don't know. What happened to Buzz at the end? I don't know. Was there any parts that made you scared? I remember you getting scared during the movie. When? When there was like those puppets that came out that were like a bit scary and they jumped out? They only scare people away. Oh. Uh, People that they haven't met before. Oh. It meant was like you fit. What about the little girl Bonnie? Did you like Bonnie? No. Why? She's bad. She threw everyone in the garbage. She threw everyone in the garbage? Yeah. I don't remember that happening. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know what was uh, in his sippy cup, my friend. That did not happen in the film. Yeah, look, you know, sometimes facts get a little mixed up uh, for a three-year-old. So, I'm, you know, look, I, I, thank you to my son for, like, you know, being willing to come in. He's, he stepped away from the mic for a second now. He, he actually, that was adorable and amazing. <laughs> and it's uh, it's so awesome to see uh, this these films that, that, that is honestly developed for children, has stuff for adults as well. But this is, uh, I mean, that, that was so funny. <laughs> But we should reset, what? I think, and and we should take, you know, look, maybe maybe in the future this could become a little feature that we'll put out like little individual episodes from Just tiny, <laughs> tiny reviewers. It's kind of like the Fraggle Rock of the Muppet world. Right, you know, like, sure. Uh, well, uh, I guess, you know what, here, I'll, I'll do the reset. Speaking of tiny viewers, this <laughs> yeah. is my quote is actually from the tiniest character in this film. Oh, okay. And that is, you remember my thing with He-Man? I don't like to talk about it. My name is Matthew Kroll. And yes, we Canada. My name is Shahir Dow. And this is the only podcast about movies with our intro a little bit later than usual for specifically the film Toy Story 4. Yes, I'm very excited about this one. Well, not just because I, I, I got to talk to my son about not it. Not just because <laughs> you induced child labor for podcasting. Oh man, I hope we get some of that sweet, sweet podcasting money for this. <laughs> um, but I got, to t- I got to take my son to the movies. You did. I'm uh, sorry I couldn't come. No, and he, you know, because he's only been to two movies so far, and Toy Story is one of them. Um, oh, did they have like a, a a playing of the original or Toy Story? Uh, we watched the original at home. I see. But the other movie that he's seen at the movie theater was My Neighbor Totoro. Okay, cool. So, cool, cool, cool. so, so he's only been to the movie theaters twice, and he loves it because he gets to basically down a whole bag of popcorn, which is a treat that he normally doesn't get. Uh, and the the hilarious thing is, uh, first off, I went to see this in RPX, which is just I did too. unnecessary if you're going to take a toddler to the movie because oh, they yeah. don't care about the quality. But even more so, my son is too little. You know how you need to put some pressure on the seats to like to, so that they fall down? Oh yeah, was it was it springing up? Yeah, he 
couldn't. I mean, he couldn't. He didn't. Ha- he's he's not big enough to like uh, push the seat down. <laughs> so so he, were his legs like up? Yeah, yeah. Well, the whole seat was basically up. So he sat on my lap the entire oh, okay. movie, uh, which was it was just nice, you know. Like it was just very cute because I. The other thing was is that every time he got scared, like I he tensed up on me, and it was yep. kind of it was just fun to 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 sit and just have this moment that. Uh, Honestly, it was crazy because I we were watching something that I watched as a kid and have watched growing up, and now and now I'm watching it with my son. So it's kind of like felt like we were, I I got teared up not necessarily from moments in the movie, sure, but just the fact that we were, I was kind of like passing this tradition down uh, with my with my son, which was just it was it was really like before we even get into what the, whatever we think about the movie. That's really cool. That's how Randy Newman gets you. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, okay, so if I rewatch the first one, sure. And the one thing that doesn't hold up, in my opinion, is Randy Newman. Really? Yeah. It's well, it's just because he, he. I think Family Guy parodied this, uh, parodied this as well, which is the the idea that he just sings a song about what's happening on screen. So it'd be like Matt and Shahir sitting no, at of, a table of he does. recording my podcast. Do 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 do. That's <laughs> Randy. Are you, wow! I didn't know you were here. I know. Um. <laughs> No, of course he does. I mean, there's a there's a song in this one about being thrown away. Yeah, exactly. And it's I, like, but, but they they kind of dropped that in the second and third movie a little bit. So it was it was just funny to go back because they do that three or four, two or three times in the original movie, and it was the one thing that I was like, I guess because there's been a parody of it uh, at this point that I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. I don't anyway, Toy Story four. Very excited to be doing this. Very excited to be doing uh, our first Pixar movie. No. Yeah, I think it is. It's the first Pixar movie we've done on this podcast. We are pretty beholden to the Disney Empire. This is one facet of it we haven't actually uh, covered. We didn't do The Incredibles two. We well, haven't... I hope that our current overlords are thankful and uh, and 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 deem us worthy to discuss uh, this <laughs> other aspect of their filmography. <laughs> uh, I don't think our overlords notice us. We are we are akin to our overlords uh, as uh, as a Bug's Life uh, would be, uh, we, which is to say we're entirely insignificant and invisible, probably. I uh, mean, we're 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 punching up hard. <laughs> uh, I, I do like. <laughs> We were talking with Jonathan Blade on Twitter, and I've loved that, like, uh, we, we get, not with this particular film, but, like, we talk about punching down, like, yeah. you know, whether or not, and my whole thing is we can't punch down, we can only punch up. Is punching up, like, even a term before we were talking about, I hope we coined it. No, I think, you know, you know where I know it from is from um, uh, comedy theory. Oh. And in comedy theory, um, the they always say, not I'm not a comedian, I just, I just like reading books about comics, and, and they always say, uh, comedy fails when you punch down. Uh, you should always be speaking, uh, you should always be making fun of the, those more powerful than you. Yeah, fine. Okay, <laughs> we didn't come up with it, but I just like the term. Um, speaking of the blade, uh, if you want to write us in and communicate with us as the blade usually does, and we're always excited to have, uh, his commentary, you can do so at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up at tw- on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Uh, Matt, I wasn't there last week. I was uh, incognito mode, uh, but you guys reviewed Booksmart. We did, which we I'm really did. bummed about because I, I, I want to see it, and I haven't listened to. I, I listened to just you know the first part. I always do like a little quality control check, but I I didn't listen to the review because I haven't seen the film. Uh, just give me your 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 one minute take or your less than one minute take. Your I mean, 10 I, take. I, I dug the shit out of it. What I really liked about Nick, Kristen, and Jamie uh, being on the show is it felt like um, there was. A, 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 a plethora of people, like of different opinions about it. Jamie, in particular, wasn't too sold oh. on the film. Okay, um, and uh, some of her points knocked my rating, uh, my internal rating, down a little bit. Um, but uh, I mean, initially, I mean, it was great. It was so much fun. I think it had. Uh, I mean, you can go back and listen to the episode, of course. But uh, you should, of course, see it. You should also. I mean, I don't even know. Is it still in theaters? I, I really want to see it. In fact, while I was in LA, um, I had like kind of a small window to go to the movies, and it was the one thing that was playing. But in the end, I uh, some work kind of took over my life. Um, so I'm hoping to catch up with Booksmart. Um, I've seen it actually. There's a you know it's a, we're halfway through the year, and there's a few uh, top ten uh, uh, of 2019 so far, and it has appeared uh, fairly highly. So I am uh, I, I I will be uh, misspoke to not watch it at this. Here's point. Here's what I want you to do when you see it. I want you to find the character that you not that you connect with the best, 
but that you enjoyed the most when they're on screen. And I want you to remember the name, and then I want you to come back and tell me, because I want to see if I'm correct. Okay, I'll give it a shot. But uh, Jacob emailed us in about your Booksmart review. What? Uh, I'm not going to read this out. Why don't you take this, because I, I don't know what he's talking about. All right, Jacob says, Booksmart is the type of movie that had me worried from the very start. Ah. Uh, sometimes comedies can hit me just uh, a bit too sketchy and crass, uh, and the introduction of Molly with the F Them audio inspiration track that's also in the trailer uh, in her room had me mentally preparing for the worst. But before I could tell how we got there, I was watching two friends in the midst of their daily routine, dancing like goofs to no music, preparing for their last ride to high school together. And I was transported directly to the feeling those characters were having in that moment. I understand that some of the complaints about writing and familiarity of the plot that several of the co-hosts brought up, but for me... These were dwarfed by the creativity in filming that was propelling our epically lovable characters forward. Uh, bump that rating back up to one. We did one being the best, five being the worst. Thank you, okay. Jacob, for writing in. Um, yeah, I I don't think I can bump it exactly back to a one. Uh, so wait, I, I haven't listened. You, you... I said I'm sorry, one out of five, one being the best, five being the worst. I said one initially. And oh. then amongst the conversation... There were a few things that Jamie in particular brought up and that I think uh, Nick and Kristen sort of echoed uh, at certain points um, that knocked me a little bit back to it, too. If oh, that even you were the matters. swing vote? You were the Kevin Costner in this one? I mean, I don't think – there wasn't a consensus. We just – we were just sort of going – by, by the end of the conversation, um, the, there were things where I was like, oh, I could see how that could be taken wrong. Okay. If that makes sense. But that doesn't take away from anything that Jacob's saying about sort of the, the feeling of familiarity and the feeling of like being with two good friends that are like experiencing like a life changing moment and just having fun with one another. Like the 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 chemistry between the two leads, uh in, between a lot of different characters actually was just phenomenal. And that's I mean, obviously the actors, but Olivia Wilde uh killed it. You know, uh again, I haven't seen it and I hope this this isn't uh um sort of a, a bad comparison, but it really does sound like super bad. It is a better film than super bad. Hmm. I love super bad. I uh, think super bad is awesome. I have have you watched Super Bad lately? Yes, I watched it. Does it hold up? I have it, not. it really does. Because the thing about Super Bad is it is a uh, a crass comedy that has a really uh, core central conceit about two friends who love each other very deeply. Yeah, and that's and that's why it holds up. Uh, this one, I think, and again, I it's so hard to judge. Yeah. comedies in a way of like because again, I have memories of Superbad and Booksmart is fresh in my mind. Okay, um, I would have to watch Superbad again, but initially, I think I actually, and maybe it's just who who I've grown into uh, to today was since Superbad, but I think from what I remember about Superbad. I still think that um, that uh, Booksmart is a more emotionally resonant film. Not least of which, uh, the lead cast, uh, the lead actress in in Booksmart is Jonah Hill's, Hill's sister. Sister, right? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. oh, well, no. I mean, look, I, I hope that's not an unfavorable comparison. I haven't seen the film, so I'm excited to check it out. A and, lot of people and, are saying that, um, and I will check it out and listen to this podcast that we do, uh, which apparently, according to Joshua, who wrote us in at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com, is a really, really good podcast are about we, movies. Are we, Joshua? Are we, Joshua? Yeah, yeah, we are. I listen to a handful of your podcasts, and this is a good step away from CinemaSins. I am 100% A-OK on board with being <laughs> the farthest point from CinemaSins. Excuse me for having that low standard. Uh, I'm still new to listening to podcasts. In fact, this is the first time listening to a podcast, I guess except for CinemaSins, uh, a, a list watching and listening to a channel that's relating to reviewing movies. Thank uh, you very much, yeah, Joshua. Thank you. Uh, no, CinemaSins, I believe, is a... Do they have a podcast, too? They must. Uh, everyone's got a podcast. Oh, uh, <laughs> because CinemaSins is that original like yeah. YouTube thing that, like, it's like 109 things wrong with uh, Pocahontas. And you're that, like, what? That is always um, really uh, picky. I, I Reaching believe... and perfunctory, I believe, are the words you're looking for? Yes. Uh, the, the director of Kong Skull Island, uh, whose name is, is escaping me right now, had a whole he had a whole yep. Twitter thread about why CinemaSins is terrible. There's... And I think everyone jumped in on that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with making fun of silly things in movies. I mean, hi. Um, but <laughs> Cinema CinemaSins uh, goes beyond, basically CinemaSins, I think, hit with a lot of like fun, like irreverent videos way back in the day, yeah. and then due to making that sweet YouTube money, uh, they just wanted to keep going, and then the further they went, the more it's like, like, it's no longer like a mistake that's in the movie or the plot, it's like calling back to like, 
like red grapes are gross, and you're like, what? Like right. what? I, that's not. That's who? I mean, shut the fuck up. I I haven't I haven't watched the cinema things since in a uh, cinema since video in, in a while. Uh, I, I'm wondering, are we punching down now? Is that what we're doing? No, they make how many? No, we're not <laughs> punching down. All right, we're all right. Like, let's check this out. I'm gonna go to their freaking YouTube page right now. Ooh, let's I've see struck, how much I've, we're punching I've, down. I've struck a nerve here. Punching down doesn't necessarily mean uh, punching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have 8.4 million subs. Yeah, it's it. we can hear it. We hear it going. Uh, <laughs> we are punching so high up. All right, all right, all right. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Joshua. We also got uh, an email from Angelina. Do you want to read that one out? Sure. Angelina says, Recently started listening to you guys' podcast and found it very relieving to listen to other people talk about movies for an hour <laughs> instead of making people listen to me talk about movies for an hour. So I want to say to Angelina, we, we're glad we can we can fulfill that role for you. But, uh, but you know what? What? You know what, Angelina? Just keep talking to people about movies. Don't <laughs> do, I, I Keep listening to us, please. Yeah. But just keep talking. And I don't care if they want to listen or not. You just keep telling them. Because I think that's very important. Well, it's uh, you, but you know, you just don't want to be that person at the party, which I think we usually are. No, who, I, like, I literally <laughs> want to. I want to be that person at the party so bad. I am that person at the party. No, yeah, don't be like us. This is a quote from uh, "As Good as It Gets." Don't be like us. Uh, finally, <laughs> I have this. This is a fun one. Uh, tweet from uh, Baby Dread, uh, who says, "After listening to ninety plus episodes, oh, my Jesus. current theory." is that Shahir brings up Marvel movies more than Matt. I don't think Marvel was brought up during the Booksmart episode once. Maybe? Okay, so that's, maybe that's true. However, <laughs> maybe you trigger me. Maybe when you're in the room, I'll bring up Marvel stuff more. We we had a little back and forth about this. Um, I was like, I'm going to need some data on this one because uh, I, 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 you know, I my initial thought was like the guy, I, you know, I surely... The person who wasn't there for the six uh, was it six hours of discussion on the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't bring up Marvel as much as the other person. Uh, you know, surely that must be the case. Six uh, hours of con pure content where I was not there. Uh, you the can go the wonderful and talented Shalia Evans was there. Yeah, you can go back. Yeah, another Shah. There you go. Uh, you can go back and listen to those wonderful episodes uh, recovering the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe with Matt and Shalia. Um, but uh, uh, Baby Dread kind of ca counted with this, which I thought was funny, which was uh, it usually comes up like this. Shahir brings up Marvel to in order to explain a point to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I guess I can see that. Like happening. I need it. Like you know what will make me my my attention span click on. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what about Thor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I that is quite possibly true. Maybe. Are you I, using dad brain to trick me? Maybe I am. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's our relationship now. Oh no. Uh, okay. Well, thank you very much to everyone Thanks, who everyone. emailed and tweeted us. Uh, again, please reach out to us at uh, onlymoviepodcast at gmail .com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Now you got a friend in us. You ooh, nice, nice, Randy. Uh, glad to have you on the show. You got a friend in us. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you grow up with Toy Story? I mean, define grow up. When did Toy Story come out? I think it was 1994. So I guess, I mean, I was what? In, I was 11? 1995. I was 13. Yeah. Uh, I was a little bit older, so I yeah, was probably so 16. Yeah, so I remember seeing Toy Story, and I remember liking Toy Story, and the fact that it was all CG and, and like computer-generated stuff, I was like, whoa. Yeah. It, it, famously, it is the first computer generated, entirely computer-generated film. It's uh, and and what a and I, I'm very glad that it is that like that the first one is Toy Story because right. it's not only a technical marvel and achievement. Uh, that's not me bringing up Marvel uh, baby dread. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a marvel, like as in it was an amazing thing. Um, but uh, it also has a story that uh, it, you know I, I think it resonated really hard with both children and adults. And mm. I think I was at the point in my life where. I was kind of, you know, around 13 or 14 or whatever, you kind of tiptoe around, the, you know, dancing on the knife's edge of sort of understanding both of the the, the points the, that the film creators were trying to get across. Um, here's the thing. I had an intense love for Toy Story 1. I had not seen Toy Story 2 until two days ago. Wow. Uh, it just slipped. Yeah. And it's funny because it felt like Toy Story 2, like with Zerg and like all that stuff, like that's my jam, like Skeletor, mm. or like that sort of like the villain of a Have toy. Have you seen Toy Story 3? Yes. Okay. So I had seen Toy Story 3 in the theater when it came out. Okay. But I just had missed 2. Huh. And uh, I mean, we can get into that a little bit later, but like 
Well, it's just that it's just that I think um, again. I watched it. Uh, I watched them all in the theater, and you know, whenever the conversation comes up of like what are the best trilogies that have ever existed in the history of cinema, Toy Story, I think, is rightly uh, at the top of that list. I uh, really- it can, it, it can, you know, you can you can throw in others, but I but 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 I think Toy Story as a trilogy, Toy Story one, two, and three, are pretty much a perfect trilogy. So it brings up, um, and I I'm I I'm going to say some opinions that I would love to change if that okay. makes sense yeah um I, there's something interesting that happens with uh i mean we've talked about nostalgia before and i don't know if this kind of fits in that because toy story one i've seen recently as well and i really have an emotional connection to it on both mm-hmm. a i am familiar with this from my past and also this is an incredibly well-told story yeah. about having to change and grow up and share and realize that while you are special you are not the only special thing like there's a lot of messages yeah Toy Story 2, because I had no grounding in seeing it originally or like whatever, did not land for me. Hmm. Okay. Um I it, I did not dislike my time watching Toy Story 2. Did you did you watch it? So you didn't rewatch Toy Story 1? No. Okay. Cuz I I wonder if you the the thing I've about seen t- Toy Story one probably like fifty times. Like okay. I I I know Toy Story one pretty well. I, I guess the thing for me is how effectively Toy Story two expands upon the world built on Story Toy Story one. So the and- world is expanded, sure, but the but the I was having a hard time figuring out what the what the message of Toy Story two was. Mm-hmm. Toy Story three. It's pretty clear about sort of like life changes. You need to grow up slash move on and you can't like grip onto the old things because it'll basically drag you down into a fiery pit of trash hell. (laughs) Um, God, that scene. I was when that happened in the theater in Toy Story 3, I was like, what the how did we get here? (laughs) Right. Uh, I was on board. It's just it was a it was a moment. Um, But Toy Story 2. Toy Story 2 to me was about the the value of your of true friendship. Uh, yeah, but wasn't the first one about that too? The, the to me, the first one is about the idea that you you may new 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 items new life might come into your life. You know, Buzz is things which yeah. crash lands yeah. into into Woody's perfect existence, uh, and Woody has to adapt to the idea that he is no longer the 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 you know Andy's number one doll. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the it's Toy Story one has a kind of simple simple elegance to the whole thing. I, and Toy Story 2 suggests that that what's important there is your true friendship. And it's also it it is also uh, reflective of a point in Andy's life. You know, the thing about the entire Toy Story trilogy to me is that they've grown up with Andy. Well, and, that's and, the and, thing. And, and, and now and, in 4, it's and they re- odd. Yeah, and it reflects upon like us growing up with these films as well. So, you know, Toy Story 3 is about, you know, Andy's off to college kind of thing and it is about the abandoning of, you know, like the eventual abandonment of uh, of childish things and but but it's also like this beautiful touching look at what those uh, you know like what those points in our lives meant to us um and i think to me that's that's being why toy story is such a perfect trilogy sure it's just toy story 2 i can't like i can i can i I can tell you the emotionally resonant moments of these sort of topics that we're talking about in one three and four yeah two i can't and i'm wondering if it's because i saw it so late and out of order but like I, I'm not saying it's a bad film by any means. The imagination. I was, oh, no. I was engaged and um, whatever. But like, I don't know. D- there was just something I was like, this feels like a lot of retread. Huh. Um, and it's funny. Someone, uh, someone mentioned something like this, and I'll sort of paraphrase it. There's a lot of messages in all the different Toy Stories, but you can kind of take it as like Toy Story One is the reminder that like you know, um, it's sort of like when you. Initially, you could look at it like when a, a child, even though this doesn't happen, first goes to school. It happens in four, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, oh, you realize that you've been in this bubble and you've been the special one forever. But yeah. then there's other people and you have to realize that, oh, like growing up means accepting changing of consequences and realizing that you might not be the only the, the center of a universe. Right. In this case, it's Andy's universe. Right. Uh, the second one is sort of harping down on the same thing where it's like, hey. You know, uh, there's trials and tribulations as you grow up. The third one is, hey, hey, growing up is hard and you're going to feel abandoned, but you have to do it. And the fourth one is get out of your mom's basement. (laughs) Right. Like it's this like it's like the makers of Toy Story are just slowly telling all of us who grew up with it being like, hey, by the way, are you you grown up yet? I guess I think that Toy Story 2 is the most about family. 
and the importance of your family. And that's, you know, like... The toys as family? Yeah, the toys as family. That's what really... In the first one, it's, you know, like, you're kind of established, but in the second one, they have to rescue Woody, and they have to come together to rescue Woody. And then there's <laughs> the, the the sort of decision, you know, oh, you know what it might be? What might it be? <sighs> The, so there's the interesting turn when Woody decides to stay with um, yeah, with the collector, with Jesse and the the prospector and the collector guy because they, they're a full set and yeah. it makes them feel like that's sort of like that. You could look at you could look at Toy Story two from a perspective of uh, almost like blood family versus families, like friend families, right? Sure. Like it, yeah. it, sometimes one works out better than the other or whatever. Yeah, there's an interesting message there. Um, but so since I saw three before two. Mm. I got all of the, like, we are a family, we need to stick together through trials and tribulations and make sure we are all okay. Yeah. I got that full-on, no, like, no but, stop yeah, on I, three. My thing there is I think that's established in So two. here we go. Maybe, because I did watch them out of order, I felt like two was redundant to three, which is an unfair read of two because two can't help that I watched three before two and two wasn't made before three was made. Yeah. Yeah. So if that math checks out, that might be why I didn't connect with two as much. Then the, the second thing for me is that, um, so I saw, you know, one and two, uh, with my, with my regular friends who, you know, like, or, you know, wherever I was at the, at that point in my life. But then you saw three (laughs) with your sham friends. I saw three um, right before I moved to the United States um, with my best friend uh, back in New Zealand. Shout out to Luke. Uh, and What up, Luke? Uh, and I have to say it was one of the most profoundly sad and beautiful experiences I think I've ever had at the movies because we I, – I, I mean, I don't want to speak for Luke, but it was like – it was sad that we were like basically parting ways at this point. And the movie, you know, has that – incredible moment where they're like you know where these toys are basically about to be incinerated um and then you know the movie is essentially about parting ways with andy yeah um and and i (laughs) grow up (laughs) you know and and the thing was is like luke has been uh my best you know like one of my best friends um you know uh since since i moved to new zealand like it's always you know since i've moved to a place uh and so i've known luke for you know some you know 20 more than 20 years or something like that and uh it was this this beautiful thing where we were realizing that we were going to go our separate ways, but but we would always be there for each other, you know. And it was and 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 we were sitting in Toy Story three. It was literally the day before I left. It was the last thing I was going to do, you know, like the the the, yeah. the planning of leaving a, an entire you know a whole country and migrating to another country is a very complicated process. There's lots of packing. There's lots of you know things that need to be done. And it was like to me the thing that I was putting off the whole time was the last time I was going to hang out with Luke. Uh, and we did it you by did the Toy Story. We went to the movies because that's kind of what, what what our thing was, you know. We like we, we you know, I, I think I've mentioned him on the on yeah. the show before. We would go to like midnight screenings of anything, um, and this was like the last thing we did before we left. And it was just this. I, I just remember like the 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 having to conceal the the hard sobs that I was doing. Oh, just uh, let it out uh, in that movie. Uh, and it was and it was you know the movie was was wonderful, but it was also because I was like there with my best friend kind of like thinking about how we were kind of splitting away so and then to me uh, you know bringing it back to toy story 4 is the is the i you know what i loved about it was this kind of you know introducing my son to it uh, yeah. you know and like and like having this moment now with my son who was kind of experiencing this for the first time and so you know, you I, know what's interesting yeah. too about that aspect of toy story 4 and 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 it's Toy Story as a franchise's relationship to its audience. Right. At first, when they announced Toy Story four, I was like, Ooh, "Yeah." I was like, "What?" <laughs> like three was a pretty definitive ending. Yeah. Uh, I was like, "Come on!" Like I was like, "Is this?" I'm like, Pixar is not a company that I normally think about. Like, oh, they have to go back to the the watering hole like that, like this. Well, they definitely have. Definitely uh, I, of course before. they have, yeah. but like they don't. I they don't. It never felt like it needed to, and this felt like a little bit, at least the announcement felt a bit like a cash grab, because I thought the end of three was perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, A, after seeing four, and B, after hearing, you know, you you and a couple other of my friends that have children sort of talk about this, like, exactly what you said in the beginning, like, here's a thing I watched when I was a kid, and now I'm bringing my kid to watch it. Mm -hmm. And the interesting part about it is... You know, you can still have. I would still consider Toy Story a trilogy, and then this is like, you know, now I'm going to bring up Marvel. It, it, <laughs> Toy Story one through three is Phase one. 
this is sort of phase two of what Toy Story is because, and it's generational phasing. Take but, that, baby dread. Yeah. So, like, for instance, <laughs> like when, um, is it Molly is the new kid? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, no. no uh, um, uh, Gabby. Uh, no, Gabby's no, the baby. No, no, sorry. The toy. Bonnie. Bonnie. Bonnie, Bonnie uh, um, is the kid that will have these toys for the the new generation. Like yeah. the new generation won't really care about Andy. No one really cared about Andy, but Andy was a, was a surrogate Ooh, for us. The collector in, 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 in Toy Story 2 might disagree. But like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, he, he, Andy was supposed to oh, be the audience. A, yeah, okay, sorry, Andy. I, yeah. was, I was thinking No, not Woody. Woody. Yeah, no, I was no, no. Woody. Um, now, Bonnie is, is the surrogate for the, at least children watching this, this program. Hmm. So you, like, no, I disagree. You you, you want to know what I think has happened with Toy Story 4? Now, I, I, I have the exact same reaction to you. I was like, I don't think I need a Toy Story yeah. 4. You know, there's no, there's absolutely no reason to go back to this well. You better have a really amazing reason to go back to this well. And so we've kind of established uh, Toy Story 1 is about, uh, you know, childhood. Uh, Toy Story 2 is about establishing, you know, in- ensuring that your family is important. Toy Story 3 is about, you know, the fact that you will need to grow up and, yeah. and growing up is hard. To me, Toy Story 4 is about parenthood and the emptiness syndrome, which is why Bonnie isn't as important. Toy Story 4, to me, is one is, is absolutely about Woody. And it's about Woody having uh, a, lack of, uh, a lack of identity now that he is no longer the key figure in Andy's life. He's not, he's not the key figure in Bonnie's life anymore. No, no, no. no. He was, this he was... is my point. This is my point. I think it, this is why I think the Toy Story films work as well as they do. That is entirely true, but that's not what your son is taking away from that movie. No, that's not what my son is taking away. Now he's, We he's, can take that away from yeah. the movie, and it works on that sort of dual level that they all do. Yeah. But I think the, the if, if Toy Story continues, yeah. and again, I'm not saying that Andy or Bonnie are like important characters, but they are just sort of the shells in which that we kind of... Are view, not viewing from, but like there's a bit. I, I, I agree there. with that, but I, I, I guess maybe me coming as a viewer, and and this can be different, and this is obviously different from my son, but I don't, I don't think my son watching the film, <laughs> as he kind of testifies in his little review, of course, uh, uh, is looking at Bonnie as a cipher for his experience. But I'm, I'm not saying, and maybe it might be the wrong words I'm using, because again, I never thought of like myself as Andy, but yeah, like I'm I saying, don't think... like it's it's the. Let me okay. Let me rephrase the journeys, the 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 type of topics that are being told in these films mirror the type of topics topics in their adultness of Andy for the first three as these movies move on. Yeah, you can... that like it's a mirror of growing up. Yeah. I think they're going to kind of start if if there's a five and a six, right? Which I I, I kind of hope not. I hope not too. Yeah. But I mean, this, I enjoyed this one, so like, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm saying that like as you know, and I don't know how many times you go back to this. Well, but like, I like the fact that here's here's where I'll sort of bring it back. I like the fact that it's a new kid because I feel like new kids. Like this is the perfect spot. Even maybe I'm even metaing now. This is a perfect spot to bring new kids into this thing sure. like and I, I, they can I, go through that journey again while still giving adults things to think about i i absolutely agree that you know there's a generational element to this and they've kind of with the with the closing out of toy story 3 there was clearly an end of the generation yeah, and, passing and, and a torch he, passing a torch but i but i think and this is i guess it's taken us a little bit to get here but this is kind of our first thoughts on the film sure. the reason why i think toy story 4 works despite me feeling ultimately it's almost a little unnecessary, but successful. I mean, uh, I would say it's totally unnecessary, it, but yeah. that, I mean, a lot of things are unnecessary that I really enjoy. I, what, what I mean by that is I could have, I, I could happily have lived without having seen this movie, but that is not to say that the movie is in, is, is an, in any way unsuccessful at what it's trying to do. Sure. It is opening a new chapter that I was surprised to, that it did, and I think it does it with a kind of level of sophistication that I was sort of unexpecting. You know, I, I guess in, in many ways, it's um, it's not quite Fury Road, but it's this you know like nobody wants nobody was expecting a Fury Road, you know a Mad Max Fury Road, but we came back to a fourth installment, and it did open up the world in ways that we were not expecting. And I think Toy Story Four does that. Um, uh, not not quite as uh, again not quite as like uh, sort of profoundly as, as Mad Max Fury not Road, not as shiny did, and crow, but, but 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 I think the thing here is that Toy Story Four really smartly picks the notion that this is not about 
Bonnie. It's not about trying to get other toys back. It is kind of much more philosophically aligned with a kind of, in my mind, a somewhat existentialist dread that parents have. You know, like to me, Woody takes on the role as a parent at the beginning of the film. Oh, to Forky? Yeah. yeah, to Forky. And he's, you know, he, he's got all the hallmarks of, of like, uh, parent, you know, he's, he's exhausted. Kid, Forky's trying to kill himself constantly, which is, a, which is pretty much how you raise, you know, what it's like to raise a baby. Um, and, and the film becomes this, this notion about finding your space in the world once you realize you are no longer the most important thing in your life anymore. And that, to me, when, when I became a parent, that, was the, that is the real hump you have to get over, is you realize you, it's, it's weird to phrase it in this way, but you no longer matter. Sure. I mean, there's an You interesting... only matter in, in so much as you are creating uh, a kind of, uh, I guess, a runway for your child. Sure. I mean, that, that kind of is Toy Story 1. Hmm, how is that Toy Story one? Because Tell Woody, it's a different it's a different stage in Woody's life, but it's kind of the same lesson. The the lesson of Toy Story one is Woody's not the only special thing, and he needs to make room for other people to be involved in people's lives. I think the thing this is different is... because it's literally like the end of that road, and like Woody has slowly learned this lesson, and now, like you're saying, the sort of parent analogy. Uh, he's so beyond needed. Like he's he was yeah. Still my needed my in thing Toy Story my, my thing in Toy Story one is I think that that is about. You're not the only special one, but you're still special. Is is you know like him and Andy in the film, kind of uh, him and Buzz in the film uh, as equal co-partners yes. in that relationship. So yes. I don't think it's about, but it, but it's the natural. So between one and four, it's the natural progression of this of this idea of because when you're when you're a baby, I, baby kid. I, can I just interject yeah. one? I think I think for me the analogy that works better for Toy Story one is it's it's the moment at which you realize you might have a new sibling. Sure, but let's but that falls into this as well. If we're talking about just Woody's journey, right? He's gone from being like and this I think is very akin to how I remember childhood and how and I can't speak for having a child, but then we'll I'll tag you in. Yeah. Um the the beginning Toy Story One is Woody being the most special thing in the entirety of his world. Yeah. And then realizing that, oh shit, the world is bigger than me and there are things that make it, I, I'm not that special. I'm still important, but I'm not the most important. Yeah. And throughout these things, not that it's been the major thread, that has sort of come up to Toy Story 4, where it's literally kind of the post postpartum thing you you brought up where it's like, oh, like this is the this is the extreme natural conclusion of this. Yeah. Not only <laughs> Not only has Andy Woody did his job. Yeah. Andy is in college. Yeah. Now Woody is trying to was originally trying to relive sort of his glory days with Bonnie, which mm. I've been guilty of trying to relive glory days of me growing up trying to be uh young and and sort of all that jazz. Uh and then it's a bit of an arrested development thing even though he's kind of just like left to, to his devices. Then he gets purpose again with Forky sort of uh, basically doing the newborn thing of like making sure Forky doesn't kill himself yeah. but he's doing it for Bonnie because he still wants to feel relevant in Bonnie's life and this is the only way that he has seen at this point to do it and then now we're getting into spoilers so we're mm. we're going to continue more and more and more the eventualness of Woody's journey is realizing that like it's not like he he should be done yeah he he now he's like he did his job beyond what he should have done in yeah. a good way. Yeah. And like he can now like even though it's hard, he needs to move on with his life and 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 figure out basically who he is without an Andy or a Bonnie. Yeah, and I think uh the beautiful thing here is the is the turn in Gabby's character. Oh which, yeah. Which which reveals which allows Woody to kind of find his new place in the world, which is to say that he he, you know, Woody has always been. He, he Woody is funny because uh, he not only shares a name with one of the most neurotic character uh, slash director actors in the in in the film and television world, uh. Woody Allen. Um, but he he has that sort of Woody is always a kind of uh, almost on the nerve of a you know on the edge of a nervous breakdown. You know, like he's almost kind of falling apart at any moment. He's the he's the guy who's kind of like, come on, we got to go do this thing. You know, like it's not about the, you know, like he's yeah. that character. And and four to me is. Is that a Woody Allen character? That, I mean, if you've watched any Woody Allen movie, oh, I just I, don't like Woody Allen. Uh, we we've uh, go we'll back, talk about yeah. It. Listen to, to listen to uh, another episode of us called "Separating Art from the Artist." Um, I think Woody is this. Uh, you know, he is this really fascinating character because he is the one that has 
tasked himself with trying to hold together this family. And it's kind of amazing that he's managed to do it thus far. Like, like the, the, you know, like he's got some remorse, obviously, which is the opening of the film where they lose Bo Peep, um, you know, that he wasn't able to kind of keep everyone together. But he's worked really hard to keep the entire family together. Um, and he is the, he, he's the, the, the linchpin of this, of like Andy's toys. And the end of this film is kind of him realizing that he doesn't need to do that anymore. You know, he 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 literally passes the badge on to to another kid, to Jesse, yeah, um, and and is assured by Buzz that you know like we'll be okay now, and so I I think that is this sort of wonderful transition, and I think it's the clever thing that Pixar has able be, been able to do with this series, um, and it. You know, look, for, we, we should take a little side detour here. It's like, in terms of Pixar movies, where does Toy Story rank amongst the Pixars for you? I mean, still probably the first one, probably. Oh. And, and three, really. Uh, very high up. I mean, uh, it's funny because I often forget. Pixar movies have an interesting place in my, um, in my brain's lexicon, right? Because <laughs> the, the when I think Pixar, the first thing I think... Even though it's not my favorite, is Wally. Yeah, uh, I like Wally a lot. Yeah, but I've probably only seen Wally like three times. But that is my go-to. Like, oh, Pixar Wally, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think Toy Story is definitely up there. Um, I, you know, what's interesting. I actually like the first Cars quite a bit. Mm, I don't. That that is my least favorite movie. I don't. I, I, I again, I don't think it has the the most to say by any means. Of the imagination. I think you know what I think it was. Yeah. I had such low expectations for cars that when I walked out of it, I was like, oh, all right, they did it. And I kind of like was like, yay. Well, I think to, the, the the thing about Pixar as a as a studio is that, you know, they've kind of continued the Disney tradition of of making the invisible and the unseen have a life, right? You know, like sure. Disney's kind of, you know, with Dumbo, with Bambi, with um, the Lion King, you know, the world of things that we have not seen animating them to life. Um, for me, the most successful ones tend to have not been franchise. Yeah, Inside uh, Out. Inside Out is, I think, I, I think Inside Out to me is the best film they've ever made. Also, Brave is fucking good. I wasn't, I wasn't really, I wasn't really I that. Like Brave too, a lot. Yeah, too clued into Brave. I've only seen it the one time, but uh, Inside Out, Ratatouille, and Finding Nemo are the kind of three for me that 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 make up, I think, the best of what Pixar does. You know, it's interesting. Up, right? Mm, yeah. I think that the first half of Up is like yeah. legit masterful. I get bored to shit in the second half of Up. I have the exact same reaction. And it's weird because I would have thought that would not have been true for you because the second half of Up gets into like Star Wars territory for me. Yeah, but that's not what Up is. It, that's not what's emotionally resonant to me. I can in tell up. you the exact breaking point for me at Up. Which one? In Up, when they land. Spoilers for Up. Yeah, when they when when the house lands on the waterfall that he was kind of aiming for after like going through sure. the storm, I'm kind of like, wait, what? Like, how did this movie kind of. And it transforms itself into kind of fantasy land. At yeah, that because point. then dogs are dog the fighting, dog talking, and all that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um, but but I think the, the the reason I wanted to bring you know like where does the stand in the sort of pantheon of, of Pixar movies is Pixar has like found this way to make the unseen and the invisible visible, and they've told stories that ultimately you know relate to our lives um, you know really clearly, and they do that thing that you know the the greatest episodes of the Simpsons ever did, the greatest episode of the Flintstones ever did, which is that they they talk to both audiences at the same time. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, they smoke cigarettes. In, uh, the, in Flintstones? <laughs> they used to advertise. So I was just making a joke. But the idea that, that the, the films are simultaneously talking to two different audiences, yes. um, which is really remarkable. And I think the reason why I grew up with Toy Story 3, uh, toy, the Toy Story franchise, is that they, t- they spoke to me at the exact right moments of my life. Mm. Um, and I can, I can see how if you, if you watch them out of order, I don't think my son's going to have the same experience with that. Um, but I, I, I can see how... Uh, like to me, Toy Story Four was the perfect film that I didn't ask for. Um, that worked okay. I I I, I do think it, you know ultimately, I think it's a uh, you know the the perfection of the one two three is kind of um, it, it, I would have loved it if that that had just been like itched in stone. But that's just me being somewhat of a uh, of a luddite probably. Well, no, I think that uh, I think. Human nature and the way our psychology is built. Uh, weirdly enough, numerology does play a part in a lot of things. I mean, like, like there's multiple things even in our in our industry, like rules of rule of threes, 
uh, you know, the the quadrants of the frame, that sort of thing. Like we do things. Three has a three has a, a a comfortable meaning when discussing things that we are a part of. There's a lot of three things. It's it, it's not so much that it's just that I thought that three was the perfect ending. Well, there's that too. You know, like it was as a, as part of a three act there's structure. There's that too. It was kind of like a perfect beginning to but end. But we have come. What I'm agreeing with that. Yeah. But we have also come to the point in a culture where we're like, oh yeah, things are trilogies. Yeah. And when it goes under that or over that, for whatever reason, at least for me and for a lot of people I've discussed this with. It feels weird. Yeah. Uh, like, Toy Story 4 feels weird that it exists. Now. It's like the Forky of, of movies, It's right? literally the, the Forky, Forky of, of movies. movies. Um, but again, I think it was done masterfully. Obviously, the CGI is phenomenal. The voice acting is top notch. I was actually, I was listening to an interview with Tom Hanks, and I didn't realize this. Um, so they go in, and they record for, like, maybe two or three weeks, like, three years ago. Right, yeah. And then they come back every five or six months and do two or three weeks. Yeah, just so to, like, to, to tweak things. And yeah, they do it back. So like when they start, he was like, the movie doesn't have the exact same plot as it did when he, or he didn't even know the full plot until like it was going. So I find that very interesting, especially from an actor's perspective. He was talking about like, and then I went and saw the movie and I was floored. Right. Like more so than any other, he said, like more so than any other film that he's been in that he then watched because He's so far away from the process. It was like what he was watching, not a performance from him, but like, uh, <laughs> like a, something that he was surprised by. I think I think that's you know like if you've watched any of the Pixar documentaries about how they work, um, that's one of the things that has always been uh, interesting. You know, Pixar is obviously now part of the Disney family, but they had engineered themselves. You know, it, it came out of uh, you know John Lasseter's work, and I'm going to talk about John Lasseter very uh, um, uh, very specifically in a second because obviously his role in this uh, is problematic. If we to borrow a phrase from uh, from your favorite problematic, um, or just life. <laughs> Uh, how do you mean? Uh, there's lots of problematic things in life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the great podcast, there was no slight to your favorite problematic. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying th- things were problematic before they brought them up. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I think, you know, it ha- they, they had this sort of almost, they have this engineering approach to filmmaking, which I think is kind of beautiful, um, which is that, you know, like not only is there uh, a technical development of everything that they're doing that sure. goes through like a, a very uh, a heavy developed process, but they also apply that to storytelling. And they have like this, if you've ever watched any of the documentaries, they talk about how they write. Uh, and it has it speaks directly to what Tom Hanks was talking about, which is that they engineer the stories very methodically throughout the entire writing process. They have this sort of uh, fun pipeline at, uh, at Pixar now, which is the short film uh, pipeline that they have, mm-hmm. you know, which is that they allow their, their um, staff to kind of create short films. No short in front of this one. Uh, no short in front of this one, but they, they allow their staff to kind of create films in the hope of developing their talents as writers um, first. And then, and then they, they still workshop those shorts in the same way that they workshop those features, hoping to kind of bring their, uh, bring their people up through um, the process from short to feature. I think Josh Cooley, who directed this, um, also directed one of their shorts, um, which was... Was it Paper? Uh, I like Paper. It was Riley's first date, so he did the shorts for Inside Out. Ah. Um, and um, I think, you know, like, that is a really beautiful process for a studio. And if you've seen how they engineer stories, like, they do work through story turns quite well. And I think that's always been a kind of a remarkable thing about every Pixar movie, is that they've never felt like technology for technology's sake. They've worked as hard on story narrative turns as hard as they have on the engineering. Um, and, and I think that's why... You know, as much as I had apprehension about Toy Story 4, you should never discount Pixar's ability to find the meaning within this. You oh, know, like yeah. you know, like and, and to make things feel necessary and urgent. And that's kind of this remarkable thing about Toy Story 4. So coming back to Toy Story 4, to me, the natural transition is that, you know, like as soon as he was taking care of Forky, I kind of started getting what this film was about, which is that it is about that sort of stage of parenthood that we all kind of that, that anxiety around parenthood that we always have. Um, um, you know, which is like, what is my place in the world? Sure. Uh, I think it also brings up brings up this sort of interesting. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation about the existentialist questions of the Toy Story universe unto itself. <laughs> you know, like like at what point does uh, 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 um, a toy embody consciousness? How does that consciousness work I'm around? I'm glad they don't really dive into it too much. My yeah, you know, there's a lot of think pieces about that. My thing is, the more you do that, the the more the threads pull apart. And the it's list, not about that. And yeah, the list the the list that's interesting to me. If I'm thinking about the projection of these films from this point forward, going you know like forward, it seems like that's the only place you can go now. 
You know, like like at some point we have to have a story where toys are interacting with humans, and I'm not interested in that. Sto- no, that no. Story. In but fact, that, that's great restraint from everyone's part. Not yeah, to to, to not have that happen, and I and I feel like. I mean, in that's what I think, but I am not a Toy Story <laughs> Imagineer, so to speak. You no, know what I mean? No, but like, look, I, I, like that's the, I, if I was going to look at something to put a death, uh, like the final coffin in a Toy Story franchise, that would be like the last well to run dry. Uh, Pixar has proven time and time again that they have a lot of uh, brain power and yeah. a lot of storytelling ability. So I think they are conscious of the fact that they know that's not why, like. I, you know, and here's something where I'll take a little dig at my boy John Wick, right? Like the <laughs> the films as they've gone have revealed more and more about how the world works. Yeah. And the more you kind of do that, if your story is not specifically about that, oftentimes, like John Wick three, even though I loved John Wick three, the mystique and the sort of like almost almost like um uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the val the value of the mystery or the value of the of the world you're presented with will diminish because no matter what, if you say, "Oh, by the way, the smoke monster on Lost was uh, actually uh, a dinosaur." Some people will be super pumped about that, and some people will be like, "What the fuck?" Like, there's if you answer a question, you will divide your audience. It's, and especially if if it's a question that your story is not based around, right? It's the 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 J J Abrams uh, what is mystery it? The box. mystery box kind of thing, which is which I think is like led us into this odd paradigm. I you know like well he, he answers it though that's he, the problem. Well yeah we've gotten into this odd paradigm about the mystery box uh, because of how popular that was, and I think you know the the thing that's sort of been interesting is the the more you open the box, the less interesting the box becomes yeah. to you. Um, and I you know like I think it points to the sort of I maybe we've we've talked about this all along this entire podcast journey not this episode but our entire series is that is that you know the 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 power of movies is their ability to imbue the audience with the with the capacity to fill the void so Ooh. you know like, like movies are aren't necessarily a, a friend of mine uh and i believe he was borrowing this quote from somebody else i'm not too sure uh said something along the lines of uh screenwriting isn't about the words on the page it's about the gaps between the words uh and screen you know that's what that's what uh and i always thought that was a beautiful analogy that's basically the idea that screenwriting is about the space you give the audience to kind of fill it with their own imagination and i i always thought that was a really beautiful sentiment to how movies actually work, which is that it is about the space that the audience can kind of come to the movie. Um, and and I think, you know, the the powerful thing about Toy Story at this point is that they haven't opened that one mystery box that has been left behind, which is um, which is how does this world work? Like, how do how do toys exist in this world? You know, we I, I don't think we've ever had, it's not quite fourth wall breaking, but we've never had that moment where a toy has interacted with a human being. Am, no. I, am I forgetting that from Toy Story 2? I, I, no, they haven't. It wasn't. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they, I always liked to look <laughs> at it as they actually, and this is, I, 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 just, I would love this if this were the truth. And again, if they answered it, I'm sure people would hate this idea. <laughs> I always liked the idea that toys physically cannot move or interact when a human is is looking at the, when the when something with another consciousness is looking at it's like at the them. eye of sauron you yeah, fall like, down but and like you're... like physically like they couldn't interact with humans if they wanted to yeah it seems it's, it's feel... perception yeah and, well, i mean obviously there's some there's a uh, in this particular film i feel so bad for that dad um who's oh, basically he got screwed yeah who's basically like having his life entirely ruined by his children's toys uh, which i think you know is kind of uh, um, Par for the course. Uh, well, it's kind of you know. There's another movie in the theaters right now, Child's Play, which is probably doing the same thing, but as a horror movie, which I think is what that you know, like what if you start opening up that world in that way, it's like oh, it could be a horror movie. Um, I I I I don't need any more Toy Stories in my life. No, like, I I really don't. But I I think as a film, this does a remarkable job of finding the finding the narrative within within these characters lives that makes it relevant to us as an audience you know it, it entirely works also i want to give just a shout out to annie potts who did bo peep yeah uh because holy hell did she just destroy like everyone in this cast did good voice work there's no question mm-hmm. uh but like she she took a character and Pixar did this too. That was kind of a bit of a of a throwaway from one. So much so that they, that she wasn't 
No, she was in two. She, she wasn't was, in three. Yeah, she wasn't in three. So they had to do a little bit of a retcon scene, which, side note, oh my God, they, yes, Pixar, we get you can render rain. Like, mm. we understand it's photorealistic now. Uh, no, that was beautiful. Um, but Bo Peep, like, was the most engaging character for me because she was this gateway to what I would consider adulthood, right? She had, she was totally fine with where she was, who she was. She had already done the journey. Yeah. And granted, that did not mean that she was cold or didn't, like, sort of couldn't relate to Woody or some of the other toys who really wanted owners mm. because she l remembered, um, uh, Andy's sister fondly and like yeah. was like oh man like and there's a couple moments where you kind of see her like looking like sort of wistfully about it but then not even in like a get that out of my head sort of way just like a oh that she, was she nice. has no regret about it and no. she, she she's the most aware character you know this is the thing Woody has always not quite been aware he he is the most resistant to change yeah. he has the most inertia in this world you know like he doesn't want Buzz to kind of usurp him he doesn't want to like leave uh, Andy's family but then he kind of sees this new world and he doesn't want the family to split apart yeah. and in this case he doesn't want to leave the you know like his place now is you know he he is beholden to the idea that he must serve a child you know like he is beholden to the idea that he must always be at service to a child you know that's what their role is that's what toys are supposed to do and in the end of this at the end of toy story 4 which i think is kind of remarkable is bo kind of teaches him that he can still do that but he doesn't have to be beholden to a single child he can still go out and explore the world you know she says to him you know who wants a tr uh, who needs a child's bedroom when you can have all of this and in that world he still is able to help uh, you know the, the you know through gabby that little lost child at the fair you know like he gives up his voice box so that gabby can kind of do that thing you know he has no he's not he's not um He's not, uh, you know, um, fighting against the past right, or anything right. like that. He's finding his own voice. And I think, I think that's really, it's it's the unexpected route because the cheap writer in me would have the moment where toys and humans are interacting, but that's not what pick, the, the, you know, that's me being a terrible, terrible writer. It is funny the, the Key and Peel moments. Yeah. Like the, there's those 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 fantasy moments yeah. the toys have about interacting with the child. They keep they keep renaming a plan, but it's literally just them pummeling an yeah. old woman for no reason to yeah, get a key. It, but it, that it, doesn't happen. It's isn't that wonderful how they 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 make that the fantasy because they know that ultimately if that happened they, that would break the world. Yeah. Um, and they they never break the world. I think I think that's really extraordinary um, storytelling from from these films. Again, I I at the end of it, there was a part of me that just said, uh, "Okay, good. Let's be done with this now. Let's move on." Like uh, Pete Doctor, uh, who directed Inside Out, has a film coming out next uh, next year called Soul, um, which you know again what what he did with Inside Out, I think is so extraordinary that that I'm I'm on board for whatever. Maybe that's the extension of the Toy Story universe. They're trying to figure out what the origin of the soul is. Um, uh. um, you know, but I think if anyone could do it, it's Pixar. So speaking of Pixar, Pixar has a, a film I saw a trailer for. I don't know if you did. Uh, yeah. Called Onward. I had to watch the trailers, and this one is my is my. Uh, yeah, you can't really <laughs> ignore it. Ha -ha! I couldn't put my headphones on. I can't ignore um, my son. So this Onward, I just kind of wanted to bring up just very briefly because it looks like bright, but with a soul. Um, I I don't know what to make of that movie just yet. Uh, I it, it, I'm not excited at this point. If that's I love, I don't know why I love this. I love the trope of like young burnout kid in a van takes his other like well to do kid friend on a road trip, and this one takes place in a in a in the world of fantasy. If it just evolved like a standardized world, much like Bright sort of tried to do, yeah. Um and this just felt really really nice. Uh, I was I was hoping that um, I, I hope it's good. I don't know. I just um any uh any negatives for the film? The only one for me, which is a really odd one, is that uh, but I actually don't think this is a problem at all. Is that I think every every voice actor in the film brings such a sort of dynamic uh performance. So Duke Kaboom to me was kind of one note. Uh, but he's only in the film for a very short. Period yeah, he of time, comes so. in in like Act Three. Yeah, he comes in in Act Three, and I think I think Keanu has just got that ability to kind of make. He's got that amazing ability to like power through the things that he might not be the best at, but make them so yes. uniquely his. The and and that's you know Duke Kab Duke Kaboom is that character, which is like I could see uh, a different voice actor kind of doing that and giving it a kind of 
three-dimensional life, but he keeps it kind of almost two-dimensional, and it works beautifully. Well, because he, Duke Kaboom is two-dimensional. He is he has one problem that he has to work through, which is getting over the fact that he let his child Rouen, Brijou, 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 uh, down. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not the commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and then he proves himself in a moment of heroism, and yeah. like that's it. Like, it's a very compact story that makes sense in the Toy Story universe, and he like it's a it's a neuroses that a toy would have in this world because we've sort of seen the problems that they have like yeah. they all want to belong in a weird way and yeah. even the ones like Duke Kaboom was not as well adjusted as obviously uh, Bo Peep was yeah uh, he has this one gut and, thing and clearly not as adjusted as Ducky and uh, uh, Ducky and uh, Ducky and Rabbit yeah Ducky and or, Rabbit right? I think that was right. yeah Ducky uh, Ducky and Bunny, Bunny Ducky Bunny, and Bunny, Bunny. Um, yeah no they're, they're hilarious um, I I, I you know it th- that would be my only minor quip about the film is that I think you know that could have that could have expanded up but th- that's that's neither here nor there you know like that that is not actually a detractor on the film I think the film operates beautifully wonderfully I am so happy that I got to see it with my son uh, I'm so happy that uh, that we got to have this conversation I don't want any more of these yeah, uh, unli- I mean- unless you're gonna you're gonna you know up the stakes from here from this point. You know, you know what I liked about this one, and I, I agree with you 100. I don't need any more Toy Story. Um, I like that this did what some of the best seasons of Game of Thrones did. This <laughs> series as four films. Yeah, the it like three was the ultimate climax, and then the four that four is kind of like a touching personal story that is smaller that does tie up loose ends and gets at least one particular character exactly where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Game of Thrones did that a lot too, and like they had episode nine was normally like their big set piece thing, and then we saw the aftermath and what happened to the people we cared about. This did that sort of same arc for me, and I appreciate that. I didn't realize how much I would enjoy knowing that with this film. Um, I can't really think of a of a bad thing. It was funny as hell. Like. Little stuff like when I'm um, uh, Combat Carl by Carl, Carl oh, Weathers wasn't getting the high five. Was not getting the high five. <laughs> like that was hilarious. I thought that, and you know what's great about Toy Story films as well? They're just so fucking clever. Yeah, like the way Bonnie gets around with her posse. Or sorry, that Bo Peep gets around with their posse is in a ro- remote control car that is dressed up like a skunk because people will just move. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, the only thing, I, you know, again, this is that sort of uh, breaking of the world. I was like, why doesn't that skunk have consciousness? You know, whereas RC did, and there was another toy. Well, that, that skunk wasn't. It wasn't a skunk. It was a. It was no, a, no, no. But why did that toy car not have consciousness like RC does at the? You know, RC- oh, I took it as because it was like an amalgamation, like broken up. Pieces. No, but then, but then in Toy Story One, there were broken up piece toys in uh, in Sid's house that were reformed as well. Oh, I think, yeah. I think, I think to me, the the way that the film answers this without ever having to answer this is the the point of consciousness for a toy is when they are loved and when they have uh, their owners. They're you know like bon- uh, Forky writing stri- the name is a physical yeah, aspect yeah, of that, but it, you don't need it. But but it's when they're loved and the, you know like the toys that have no consciousness are toys that have never been loved before. So there was a toy, uh, I, it was just immediately popped into my head was That's when, interesting. when uh, they were in the sand pit and um, uh, Woody was trying to get away. He jumps into like a toy uh, pickup truck or something like that and he kind of kicks it along and like drives off, rides off and I was like, why doesn't that pickup truck not have consciousness whereas all the other toys in the sand pit have consciousness? Yeah. And it was like, it got in, I, I, think, I think the wonderful thing about, you know, like the mystery box of this film is that it it you have to fill the void. You know, you kind of have to like answer this those questions. This film doesn't really do mystery box though, because mystery. So so the mystery box, as I no, understand, no, yeah, it, yeah, not it's not the J.J. Abrams, but, right. but the but the idea that you know it the leaves space, something to the imagination, the space between the words, you know, because like, because that's not what the film is about. Yeah, like there are bigger things, more more poignant and 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 in your face stuff that the film is trying to say, other than like, hey, how do these toys work? Yeah, yeah, and I I hope we never get to the point of asking the question. How do these toys work? Same. Hard same. Well, this has been the only podcast about the film Toy Story 4. Shahir, when you are not breaking your cardinal trailer rule only for your son. That's how much you love him. Where can folks find you? Uh, people can find me just binging the last four years of trailers uh, at my website, www.shahirdad.com. Actually, I would kind of love to, oh, to, do, a tra- do, to do, do a trailer episode. I love trailers, but I just don't watch them for the sake of... Uh, 
My sanity. Uh, Matt, when you are not cracking up, are, are you the collector? Are you the are you the person who kind of keeps the toys in the box? Or no, you the, never you, was. No. I, I, I have lost quite a bit of money because I'm like, nah, fuck it. I want this on my shelf like... like right. Like and, open. And, I, and I want to play with it. If I have to, I mean, I literally have a Lego Bastion on my <laughs> desk. I pick that thing up multiple times a day. So if that thing is alive, then uh, it's doing good. So and if it is alive, how would it get to your uh, information? Oh well, it can wander about four feet to my keyboard and type in m a t t h e w k r o l dot com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor the number four P R E Z on Instagram or Emperor M S K on Twitter. Also, you can check out the good works we're doing over on Extra Credits. I believe by the time this airs, we will be having a very cool episode i'm even gonna spoil it right now i think what day is it what year is it uh oh yeah we're going to be doing um an episode about uh how the games industry can stop normalizing um bad uh stop normalizing uh some pretty terrible things in the world okay so uh, that's going to be coming out soon um can you give me a clue as to what those terrible things might be uh nazis <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fire up my Call of Duty uh, account. That's half the problem. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> but wait, there's been a third person in this room. I think who's just woken up from nap time. Oh, who's come back in? Uh, my son. Could you? I I want to know just the final thoughts. We we haven't had final thoughts here. Uh, so maybe you could take it away. I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump back in here and ask a question. Let me just jump over here. Mas we'll Master Dowd. Master Dowd. Please, take us away. Do you think your friends would like the movie? Yeah. Yeah? And they'll say, okay, they'll say, okay, we'll watch it for you. They'll say, okay, we'll watch it for you. That's the movie. <laughs> We're done. The podcast is actually done. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. What about, um, was there any part that made you happy? Um, I took off the headphones. Okay, you're done.